1: Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread once again on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. And if you can believe it, we are now entering week number six of the National Football League season. Victor, as I look back in the rear view mirror in college football, we're at the midway point, if you can believe it, in college football as well. I guess they say time flies when you're having fun, Victor, as you like to say, and looking backwards right now, we're certainly looking forward to the football games on tap this weekend.
2: And time flies when you're having fun and also turning some profits, Mark. We got to talk about the playbook newsletter last week who took out the big, big broom. Star rated best bets in last week's newsletter went 6-0. and Mark also brought in the upset uh, game. We hit the totals play with Baltimore-Cleveland under the total. But that's nothing, and, and again, the 6-0 and with the star-rated best bets, very, very nicely done. But then also with Mark's service last week, the perfect system game of the year winner on the Florida Gators, well played there. You did eventually use Texas, the game we talked about on the show as a three-star play, the outright underdog win against Oklahoma that actually cost a coach his job. And then on Sunday, a 3-0 sweep in the NFL for Mark Service, the best bet on the Pittsburgh Steelers, Buffalo Bills, Seattle Seahawks. Man, Mark, that's how you start the new month.
1: Yeah, that was pretty nice, Victor. Uh, we're really thankful for the, uh, the the lady luck God. She was with us last weekend, to say the least. Whatever it is that we're doing, we'll have to talk to her and see if we can keep her on board for yeah. as long as we possibly can. But it was really nice to see that sweep last week, both in the Playbook newsletter and on our late phone football services as well. Uh, Talking talking a little bit about uh, last week in college football here, we're seeing now, Victor, that upset of Texas over Oklahoma kind of really shook things up in the Big Mm -hmm. 12 conference. Uh, You know, it shook it up to the point where uh, Oklahoma had to make a coaching change uh, and maybe, I'm, I'm sure that football game was the deciding factor here, but there's no longer a Stoops coaching in the big 12 conference these days.
2: I'm kicking myself for not playing the over. That was the highest scoring game in the series. But those of us who join you on the Longhorns enjoyed a pretty easy victory throughout the game. It got a little testy there in the fourth quarter as Oklahoma rallied from that 21 point lead. But, you know, Mike Stoops lost a big game, and then Mark Stoops lost a big game, and then Mike Stoops lost his job, the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Uh, Another porous performance, again, by his unit on Saturday, and again, it cost him his job. Lincoln Riley, of course, is 17, is three as a head coach, but he ended up canning his coordinator.
1: It's unbelievable to see no stoops in the Big 12 Conference these days. Uh, So obviously something had to be done and was at Oklahoma. We'll see whether or not they can get their act back together and perhaps win out and put themselves back into the talk for the college football playoffs here. Also looking backwards, Victor, I'm noticing in college football these days a total of 10 undefeated football teams that are left right now. Uh, But the surprising thing to me, is looking at the conferences and where they stand, we find uh, two teams from the ACC and two from the SEC that are undefeated. We've got one from the Big Ten, one from the Big 12. We've got the independent Notre Dames undefeated. But the conference that leads the brigade in undefeated football teams this year is none other than the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, with three teams. Three teams. (laughs) Unbelievable right now, undefeated. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that pace up. I mean, they're going to knock each other off along the way, somewhere down the line. But uh, interesting enough to see that if one of these AAC teams can remain undefeated by season's end, will they put themselves into the talk of the college football playoffs? As we know, the a group of five teams, there's generally one team that will at least be in the talk and does win, uh, I guess, the prize of playing a New Year's Day football game because of that. But right now, as we speak, Victor, you know, we're looking at Cincinnati, uh, Central Florida, last year's reigning, uh, if you will, champion, per se, uh, from that conference, and South Florida, those three teams right now undefeated in the AAC And the question I ask you, Victor, is if any of these teams from the AAC do emerge undefeated at season's end, could they become a playoff viable
2: team? They could very well. You know whose dreams were dashed as far as playing on a New Year's Day bowl game were Boise State last week. You can't say enough about that tremendous road win by San Diego State holding Boise to only, what, 13 points at home in that particular game? I think that the cards are probably stacked for maybe Central Florida to get that justice that they deserve. You know, down here in the Sunshine State, uh, they're still saying Central Florida was the national champion last year. (laughs) So they could be that team that makes it to a New Year's bowl game. That's for sure.
1: That's provided, Victor. They get past Memphis this weekend.
2: Mm. And
1: I happen happen to feel Memphis is going to give this football team all they want and more. You know, the the ironic thing in looking quickly at this Central Florida-Memphis football game this weekend is, uh, you look at what Central Florida did last year. They're 18 and 0, by the way, on an 18-game win streak coming in. It's kind of fits the mantra of what we call as the news titans for these undefeated football teams uh, that are what we call 8 and 0 or better. That's when we begin looking at these uh, news plays. Well, we're not to that 8 and 0 status or point of the season yet in college football, but still, an 18-game win streak is awfully, awfully pressurizing, if you will, for a football team. And the reason I'm calling it out is the fact that uh, you take a look last year at Central Florida when they did win that mythical championship by going 13 and 0 on the season last year the one game they struggled in and almost uh, had this streak snapped was against South Florida Right. Uh, who they who they played in the end of the season? They were a ten and a half point favorite and eked out a game when they scored last in the football game to pull out the victory. And uh, the parallel that I'm drawing here is that this Memphis football team is just as highly prolific offensively as as was South Florida last football season. And Memphis brings a defense this year. They've got a top fifty ranked defense. Those are the two common traits that both South Florida. Uh, had last year when they took on Central Florida, the advantage to Memphis this weekend being the fact that they're going to host, they're going to be on their home field against Central Florida. So keep an eye on that football game where we could be talking possibly about two undefeated teams in the AAC rather than three being Central Florida. So we'll keep a close eye on what happens in that football game And with that, Victor, let's hop over to the National Football League side of things, where it's been a pretty well-lit scoreboard, to say the least, in the NFL this season here. Victor, this question I have to ask of you. I read the total tip sheet this week. You mentioned about the Chiefs-Patriots game on Sunday night, that over-underline approaching historic levels. My question is, did the high-scoring games in the month of September carry over into the month of October last week in the National Football League?
2: You know, it's only fitting that that game should have an over-under line approaching historic levels because that's where we're at in the NFL right now, historic levels through five weeks. And the numbers continued last week as well. Uh, If you're a defensive coordinator in the NFL, you're probably having nightmares these days. Since the 1970 merger this year through the first five weeks has had, check this out, Highest completion percentage in the NFL, 65%. Most passing TDs, 275. Highest TD percentage, 4.8%. Highest TD to interception ratio, 1.95 to 1. Highest pass attempts per team, per game, 36.6. The NFL right now is on pace to score 12,272 points this season, which would be... More than 1,000 above last year's total, which was 11,220. That's an absurd 9.4% increase in scoring. And we're right now at 48.0 points per game on the year through the first five weeks of the season. Here are your averages starting with week one. 47.8, 46.3, 45.2, 50. 53.4 53.4 in week four, and then last week, 47.3. So we are definitely talking about history in the NFL. We talked last week about the the quarterbacks, and the fact, we have so many quarterbacks with a QBR rating extremely high on the season, and it does not look like uh, these numbers will go down. We've got three huge games this week in the NFL with big over underlines. one of which we'll be talking about on the show.
1: So that's the way scoring goes in the National Football League these days, guys. These over-under totals are at historic levels, and it looks like uh, much like global warming. It doesn't see any end in the store here, especially with these rules now in place as far as scoring goes in the NFL. And, Victor, before we uh, conclude our NFL segment here, I jumped past the college football portion part on the show. We're talking about totals, about the red-hot college football totals, and what they've been doing thus far this football season? I know your service has been on fire with the college football totals. Any shakedown that you can report about college football totals while we're on that subject?
2: Yeah, we got a handful of teams we can just run through the list. and And thanks for that. Yes, we've gone nine and four so far this season in college football over under plays. Our big one last week was that four star uh, winner in the late game over the total Colorado State versus San Jose State a game in which uh, neither team played any defense at all. I think the final score was like 45-30, to but a nice winner nevertheless. And your perfect teams so far this season in college football in regards to overs, South Alabama 6-0 over-under on the season. Buffalo from the MAC Conference 5-0 over-under. Utah State with a tremendous offense averaging over 50 points per game is also 5-0 over-under. Another team from the MAC Conference, Toledo, 4-0 over-under. New Mexico is 4-0 over-under. Uh, the average New Mexico game has seen 75 points average this uh, season. And also a team from the, and you wouldn't think this, a team from the SEC Conference, a perfect 4-0 over-under the season. That would be Missouri, the Tigers. And guess what, folks? This week they take on an Alabama team that's also 5-1 over-under on the season, no wonder the over-under line is so high in that particular game. And then on the flip side of things in college football, there's only four teams that have yet to go over in a game this season. Number one is very surprising. The mean green from North Texas down there in Denton who is 0-6 over-under on the season. And that's surprising given the fact that they were a pretty good over-team last year. I got the numbers right here for North Texas. They were 9-5 and five over-under last season. So that's a big, big turnaround for North Texas at 0-6. Arizona, this was a team that was involved in a lot of shootouts last year with a healthy Khalil Tate, and that's the optimum word, the underlying word healthy, because he's not been healthy so far this season for Arizona. They're 0-5 over-under. And then finally, Tulsa 0-4 over-under. And Colorado, despite having a great offense, averaging 38 points per game on offense, They've played a killer defense, allowing only 18 points per game. They're 0 4 over under this week, and they got a big game on the road against USC.
1: Nice overview in college football scoring from Victor King at King Creole Sports. What's been going on in the world of overs and unders in college football? And, Victor, I'm glad you brought out the point about Khalil Tate from Arizona because I've been scratching my head about the lack of productivity by that offense here. I mean, he was just, he he played like he had his hair on fire last year. And we're not seeing anything close to that at Arizona here. So obviously the injury health issues are taking a big toll on Arizona and their attack this football season. Hey, don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down our college football game of the week. We're going to go inside the Big Ten Conference for a beauty on tap. We got that and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
0: If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com at Sports Data University,
3: located at sportsdata.com. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King. And we're going against the spread on this week's college and pro football card. And it's time once again for our featured college football game of the week. And Victor, we had a choice of two games in the Big Ten Conference this week, two big football games. We all know about Michigan hosting Wisconsin, but I couldn't pass up Penn State hosting Michigan State you think either way we would not have missed with either selection here, but we've opted for the Spartans and the Nittany Lions for our college football game of the week. Victor, I'd like to know your take on what you see as the possible over-under situation inside this game.
2: Well, let's see. It opened at 56.5, the over-under line for the Michigan State-Penn State game. They'll be kicking off at 3.30 Eastern time, and it is a little bit surprising that the over-under line has come down a couple of points We're down to 53 in this particular game as we record the podcast on Thursday morning this week. Surprising why you say? Well, it's a little surprising considering both teams are four and one over under on the season already. So uh, we're both coming in and clicking at 80% overs for both teams. For Michigan State, their average line 49.2 average total points, 50.6, not much of a margin there. But again, 4-1 and one over, under, nevertheless. For Penn State, their games have been uh, a little more surprising in regards to offense. Average line in Penn State games, 59.8. And average total points, 70.4. So the average Nittany Lion game has gone over the total of the season by more than 10 points. You over has gotta love the way the series has gone. The last four meetings between these two teams have all gone over the total by an average margin of plus nine points per game. Seven out of the last eight meetings have gone over and even taking it all the way back into the late 90s, 15, three and one over under in the last 19 meetings between these two teams. That's a pretty consistent over percentage. And we're working with a fairly manageable line of 53 points currently in this game. You know, neither team is playing with the same amount of defensive intensity as the last few years. Michigan State is allowing 41 more yards per game on defense. They're allowing more uh, four points per game more than last season. Penn State's averaging around 30 yards more per game on defense, also allowing five more points per game. Uh, on defense as well, but on uh, offense, Michigan State's scoring. They're up three points per game compared to last year. Penn State team scoring, they're up almost nine points per game compared to last year. Uh, maybe it's the fact that both teams brought back a combined 18 out of 22 offensive starters, which is why the numbers are so high this particular season. We know, and I'm sure you'll talk about this, Mark, I know that Michigan State's got this outstanding run defense. I believe they're currently number one in the nation, and the offense is strong at controlling the clock. However, the Spartan secondary, it's its just not there. They went into that Northwestern game struggling against decent passing games, and then they got hit by 373 yards and three scores in the loss. Now, on the Penn State side, you know, Trace McSorley, he's Yet to actually throw for 300 yards, and he's only hitting 53% of his throws. But this is that perfect game for him to have his breakout game on offense. I think there's some value at 53. We got this game finishing somewhere in the high 50s. So, Mark, we're going over the total with Michigan State-Penn State.
1: Victor likes the value, if nothing else, in that Michigan State-Penn State game at 53 points, set to go over the total in that contest at Happy Valley here. I talked about Michigan State earlier on in the show. The fact that they come into this football game after a disappointing home loss last week against Northwestern, a football game in which they were installed as 10.5-point favorites. They did manage to win the yards in that game for what it's worth statistically in the contest here. Michigan State also won straight up last year as a double-digit home underdog against Penn State. This is a Michigan State football team with, as Victor says, that top-ranked rush defense that comes in here catching Penn State uh, in what I think might be a, a really down roll this particular week. And I'm saying down roll because of this, guys. If you look at what Penn State has done in the past, when they've been at home in Happy Valley and they've lost a Big Ten conference game, and they come back at home the next game, They've been absolutely no-shows in those football games. Nine times they've won only three of those games straight up, and they've lost to the point spread all nine times, has Penn State. This Michigan State uh, top-ranked rush defense, if they can assert themselves in this game, and I believe they can, they have not coughed up more than 66 yards on the ground in any football game this year as far as allowing opponents to rush the football. If they take that away from Penn State in this game, that makes the Penn State offense a one-dimensional offense, and it falls all on the shoulders of Trace McSorley, their quarterback, and I think Mark D'Antonio can prepare and put a game plan just in place for something like that. Uh, This Penn State offense is really good. There's no doubt about that. They're averaging 50 points a game and 515 yards per game But coming off that brutal one-point home loss to Ohio State, just put a pin in the balloon at Penn State. Uh, What I also like about this football game is this. In my database, I looked at college football teams that are double-digit underdogs that come off of a straight-up home loss as a double-digit favorite. That's a complete role change to see how they respond. And what the database told me was that if you have a better-than-400 football team, a team that's capable of playing, in this particular role, and they're taking on an opponent off a of loss, such as Penn State is, these teams are 12-2-1 against the spread as double-digit dogs off that straight-up double-digit home favorite loss. I think there's tons of value on this football game. I called it in a lot of other radio shows that I do, my Rodney Dangerfield play, the lack of respect play for Michigan State this week. Remember, they were Of five teams in the Big Ten Conference this year, they were one of five teams that was projected possibly to win this conference. They have 19 starters back from last year's 10-win team. This is a very talented Michigan State football team catching a boatload of points in a good situation here. I'm going to make my play on Michigan State plus the points for my play in this football game on Saturday. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down our NFL game of the week. We've got the game of the week possible playoff preview between Kansas City and New England. And we'll hop out to Las Vegas, get the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco. We're back with more here after this brief commercial break on Mark Lawrence against the spread.
0: All new Playbuck's tokens are here.
3: The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The totals tip sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King. The NFL totals guru at playbook.com. The totals tip sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your totals tip sheet today at playbook.com and enjoy the winners.
1: Hey guys, welcome back once again. This is Mark Lawrence. I'm along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football cards. And it's time for our NFL game of the week. And what a game we've got on tap this week. Victor, this has all the makings and the earmarks of a possible playoff preview when Kansas City invades Foxboro to take on the Patriots. Victor, how do you see this game shaking down from an over-under totals point spread?
2: Talk about previews. It could very well be a preview of the AFC Championship game. Uh, Over-under line, 59. There's some 59 and a halfs out there. That is simply amazing. Again, you thought the Steelers-Falcons over-under line last week was high. Well, here you go. I'll see you that game, and I'll raise you this one. Uh, (laughs) This game has got the left and right side of my brain in conflict, and it has for the first three days of this week. I'm no different than anybody else. We're on a nationally televised game between great teams in the prime time, I want to see a shootout. I want to see a lot of points. I want to bet the over. I want to win the over. I'm not the only one. The guys from NBC want to join me. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth. We want to see game of the year type potential here. Will we get it? We'll see. It's certainly a high over under line in terms of value. That left side of my brain is saying you're not getting a lot of value if you're going over the total in this particular game. With that said, Mark, our very first query in the playbook database has to be let's query games in which the line is extremely high in the NFL. And since late in the 2000 season, NFL games with an extremely high over-under line of 58 or more points, like this game, have gone a perfect 7-0-1 over-under. That's 5-0-1 in the regular season, 2-0 to the over in the playoffs. None of those games have gone under the total. The database is telling us that these extremely high over-under lines are justified, justified. With a high-scoring result, in this case, those games have averaged 66.6 points per game. Now, we got the numbers, we got the stats, we got the data. We know the Chiefs are number two in offensive scoring, they're number five in total offense. They're ranked dead last in overall defense. Heck, they just allowed a dysfunctional Jaguars offense to get 502 yards last week in their 30-14 home win against Jacksonville. Uh, On the flip side, New England's offense struggled in the first three games of the season, but they've got all their pieces back in place now, particularly with the Edelman returning from suspension last week. So after averaging only 19 points per game in their first three games, it's pretty significant that New England has rolled 38 points two weeks ago against Miami, 38 points last Thursday night against the Colts, and in those games they had 438 and 449 offensive yards, respectively. So they may be ready for that uh, big-time offensive showing against the Kansas City Chiefs. In terms of the series history, each of the last five beatings here have gone over the total. Average line, 45.8. Average score, 57.0. So the average KC New England game has gone over by ten point two points per game, and that included last season. Remember, these two teams—they started the season last week on th- uh, last year on Thursday Night Football. KC went into New England, shocked the Patriots forty-two to twenty-seven. The game went over by twenty-one points, so that's not lost on us as well. They really looked good in that game last season as well. That was the beginning of this new KC philosophy where they're bringing in some of the college offense into the NFL, and so are the Patriots for that matter. Right now, we got some numbers from the database that perhaps support a shootout in this particular game. What cautions me, that right side of my brain, is going, hey, Bill Belichick is no dummy. We're talking about the smartest, sharpest coaches in NFL history. He knows when it's advantageous to get into a shootout with another team and to quicken the pace of play considerably. He knows when to pull back the reins and slow down a game. So he knows that perhaps getting into a shootout with the Chiefs is not the best way for us to particularly to win this game. What can we also do when we choose to do? We can run these long, drawn-out offensive drives that take a lot of time off the clock. That eat up no more than four to six yards per play and keep that Kansas City offense off the field. Right now, again, like I told you from the beginning, Mark, I got a little war going on in my head. I'm leaning over, but there's no value on the over. I'm going to need a day or two to do some more handicapping out of our database to definitively come out with a play in this game. And if we do have a play, It'll be up on the playbook.com website. We'll just say right now, I'm kind of leaning over and hoping for a high-scoring game.
1: Victor's leaning over, hoping he doesn't double up when he stands back up. with this total in this game as high as it is. But nonetheless, a lot of cases could be made for that. The only thing that I'll throw in here, Victor, is ironically, the only game that Kansas City failed to beat the spread this year was the only game that they failed to score 30 points in a contest, so your observation about Bill Belichick knowing that his best chance to win this game would not be engaging in a high-scoring football game could end up working out, but you have to see what the database says and uh, what whether Victor decides whether that over-lean ends up being a play, but as he says, you can check it out at playbook.com this weekend. Meanwhile, the Kansas City Chiefs enter the football game, a perfect 5-0 and record on the season this year behind the young phenom quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who, as I've been saying repeatedly, has this look, this John Elway look about him. He's doing absolutely everything uh, wonderfully this football season here, despite the fact that the Chiefs are being out-yarded 49 yards a game on the season this year. To me, that's totally head-scratching, but, you know, they do it the Andy Reid way. The Andy Reid way is with special teams, uh, let other teams uh, create turnovers and win football games on the field that way. The New England Patriots come into this football game with Tom Brady to take on Patrick Mahomes. The future Hall of Famer going up against the kid. It might be a time for the future Hall of Famer to show his wares in this game as well. New England just 3-2 and two on the season this year. and They know, they realize that a must-win game is in order here if they are to face the likely possible uh, likelihood of being home in the playoffs all throughout the playoffs here, because if they lose this game, it's going to run away to Kansas City with that edge in the contest here. New England does play with revenge from their loss last year to Kansas City here in Foxborough in the season opener, in which they were pillaged. They were eight-point favorites in the game, and they lost the football game 42-27 to 27 here. Uh, New England has really struggled, if you take a look, though, uh, in games when they come off a winning cover and they're hosting a 4-0 and or better football team. They're one and six to the spread, not hosting. I should say, just playing a team that's four and zero or better. When New England's in a, off of a winning cover in their previous role, but the bottom line to me, getting to the uh, to the side in the football game is all about Andy Reid and what he does best. And Andy Reid, hands down, is the best head coach in the National Football League away from home in his career. He's ninety three fifty six and one against the spread. Those are phenomenal numbers for hundred and fifty games in a finding to find a coach that's won 93 football games against the point spread. The best role that Andy Reid is when he's on the road is when his team is undefeated and he's playing a 750 or less opponent. He's been in that role nine times in his career. He's won all nine games straight up on the road, going 7-1-1 one, and one against the spread. I'm going to buy into the 3.5 points that hook gets me in this game. I'll play Kansas City plus the 3.5 against New England for my side in the Sunday night football game you're tuned in to mark lawrence against the spread the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show and it's time for one of our most popular segments on the show as we go out to las vegas and check in with our good friend andy isco from the logical to get the vegas vibe andy how's everything going for you in vegas these days
4: mark everything is going uh, absolutely wonderful the weather has changed the 100 degrees temperatures are in the uh, rear view mirror. The uh, comfort level is outstanding. Uh, about the only thing not going well in Vegas right now is the start to the season of the Golden Knights, another tough loss against Washington. Uh, but other than that, the football season has picked up the pace, a lot of excitement. And, of course, now with the start of Tuesday night football, we're on the verge of football seven nights a week.
1: And NBA basketball right around the corner as well, Andy. So it'll be uh, 24-7 for Andy Isco. And the logical approach in his approach to both football and basketball with the NBA, like I say, just right around the corner here. And Andy, before we get into what's been going on in the Superbook contest here, I want to let our listeners know once again about your terrific newsletter. It's called The Logical Approach, and it's available at thelogicalapproach.com. And your subject matter this week, Andy, I found really to be intriguing And it was uh, a matter which you called the fine line in the National Football League. And basically, in a nutshell, and I'll let you explain this, but in a nutshell, uh, Andy takes a look at uh, National Football League game results that fell three points or less, a field goal or less. And what would have happened to the spread in those games had fallen the other way, if you will. And uh, some of those uh, results can be eyebrow raising. Andy, if you would, let our listeners know about your fine line article approach in your newsletter this week.
4: Well, thank you, Mark. And actually, it's not point spread results uh, that I was looking at. I was looking at straight up results as far as what the team's Yeah, records would have been had all the close decisions or overtime games uh, been reversed. In other words, we often talk about one play making the difference between a win and a loss and one win meaning the difference between a playoff season and a non-playoff season. So I took a look at, and I do this every year, so we're looking now at at the 2017 results. What would have happened if uh, teams' games that they won by a field goal or less or by a touchdown in overtime, which is basically a regulation tie, if those games had been reversed so that uh, a three point win became a three point loss, a two point loss became a win, etc. And it's interesting how the number of teams would have been affected by three or four uh, games. For example, uh, and the example I used as perhaps an. In- as an indicator of what we might expect the following year. I went back to the New York Giants, who were an 11-5 and team in 2016, uh, but they were very fortunate. They very easily, in fact, if I... Let me just get on over here and take a look at the the exact numbers. And that is that had the Giants uh, had those close wins turn into losses and had the close losses uh, turn into wins, they would have been... Uh, eight and eight rather than eleven and five, which is the decline of three wins, possibly signaling that they were in for a bad season the following year. And of course they went from eleven and five in two 2000- thousand Uh, 16 to 3 and 13 in 2017. We had a similar situation with the Raiders who were 12 and 4 in uh, 2016 making the playoffs for the first time since their Super Bowl loss uh, to Tampa Bay a decade and a half ago and uh, they could have very easily been instead of 12 and 4, 6 and 10. And of course they slid back last year as well. So looking at the teams from last year who showed significant variations in their actual results uh, and how they would have been affected by close game reversals, we saw a team like Carolina that actually finished 11 and 5 easily could have been 7 and 9 in the same division Tampa Bay was 5 and 11 easily could have been 9 and 7 perhaps one of the most significant ones was the Baltimore Ravens who were off to a very good start this year they were actually 9 and 7 last year but if you reverse the close wins and losses they would have been 12 and 4 and uh, defeated Pittsburgh for the AFC North title the Steelers were 13 and 3 They could have easily been 10-6, and but for those close wins uh, versus their close losses. And we're seeing Pittsburgh struggling in the early part of this season. So a number of things can be gleaned by looking at how these uh, close games actually impact a team's records that uh, had they gone the other way but for that one play. A 16-game schedule is a very, very short schedule, by far the shortest of any of the uh, major sports. It's 10% of, an, of, an M- of a Major League Baseball schedule. It's uh, basically uh, uh, 20% of, uh, of an NBA schedule, and there's a very fine line, and that's why we see uh, a 50% or greater change in the makeup of the playoff field season after season after season in the NFL.
1: Great review on what Andy calls the fine line in the National Football League. I recommend highly recommend our listeners check that out in his newsletter this week. You can get it at thelogicalapproach.com in Las Vegas. We're visiting with Andy Esko from The Logical Approach in Las Vegas. And Andy, the Superbook contest looks like it's beginning to heat up a little bit here last week. If you would, let our listeners know a little bit about how the consensus shook out last week and where the standings stand as we enter in after the, in, entering into the sixth week of the NFL season.
4: Okay, Mark, just as a brief recap for those who may be joining us for the first time, Superbook Contest is put on by the Westgate uh, Sportsbook in Las Vegas, formerly the uh, Las Vegas Hilton. It's a static point spread, comes out uh, mid to late afternoon Pacific time on Wednesdays. The contestants make five selections a week against that that point spread, uh, sides only. And, of course, the selections are not due until Saturday morning, so there could be some line changes, and we have any number of ways that contestants will play. Some people play teams, some people play lines, some people play line moves. Uh, Any number of different ways that people will approach the contest. And, of course, this year another record set, over 3,100 entries. Uh, What I'd like to track and what we like to present each week is how the consensus, the top five selections, meaning that if you had If you had sat down, uh, Saturday afternoon and took a look at, uh, the distribution of all the contestant selections, you said, you know what, I'm going to play, uh, five teams tomorrow on Sunday or Monday and play the top five teams. According to the contest, who would I play and how did those results do? Well the consensus has had a, a struggle this year as they did for the early part of last year and last week was no exception the top play in the consensus for the consensus last week was the Baltimore Ravens laying two and a half points uh, to uh, and at the Cleveland Browns over a thousand nearly a third of the contestants a thousand and fourteen laid the two and a half excuse me laid the three in the contest with the uh, uh, with the Ravens that consensus selection loss the other top five selections to lose were the Rams. Winning but not covering in their win at Seattle, the Tennessee Titans losing outright at Buffalo, and Monday night the Redskins getting six and a half at the New Orleans Saints. So those were the four losers. The lone winner last week, the Arizona Cardinals winning outright as four-point underdogs at the San Francisco 49ers. So for the week, the consensus one and four against the spread, and for the year eleven and fourteen against the spread. This is in the uh, main Super Contest, the classic in the Super Contest. Goal Gold, which is the con- similar contest, except it has a $5,000 entry fee compared to the $1,500 entry fee for the regular Super Contest, which is now being called the Super Contest Classic. In the Super Contest Gold, it's a $5,000 entry fee, winner-take-all. They had about 125 entries. The consensus there last week was 11-4, and four, which took it down to a very modest winning record, but losing against the spread for the season. 12-11-2 uh, year-to-date, basically 52%. They use a, a point system for determining the leaders in the contest. A point spread win equals a pu- uh, equals 1 point, a point spread push equals a half point. So, out of a possible uh, uh, out of a possible 25 points for the 25 selections that have been made, the leader in the in the classic contest has a record of twenty actually there are four who are tied with records of either 20 and 5 or 19, 4, and 2, both of which produce 20 points, which is 20 out of a possible 25, or 80%. The second-place contestants, there are 5 at 19.5, 13 at 19, 15 contestants at 18.5 points, and 38 contestants at 18 points. And that means that in the contest of over 3,100 entries through five weeks, there are 75 contestants who are at 72% Or better, meaning they've got at least 18 out of the 25 points. And just to compare that to the Super Contest Gold, where we have slightly over 120 entries, the leader is at 18.5 points with a record of 17, 5, and 3. That's 74%. And there are a total of 27 contestants out of the 125. So roughly 20% right now through five weeks hitting 60% or better. the other main contest in Las Vegas, the Golden Nugget Contest, which involves both college and college. Uh, NFL sides only, no totals this year for the Golden Nugget Contest. In this contest, you make seven selections a week. It can be college, pro, or any combination of those two. Uh, There have been 35 selections made thus far this season through the first five weeks. There's one leader at 26, eight, and one. That's 26 and a half out of a possible 35 points. There are Two contestants at 25.5, so the leader has a one-point lead. Three contestants at 25, another two at 24.5, nine at 24, seven at 23.5, and and 12 at 23. So the contestants having at the top having very fine seasons, but we are not even one-third of the way through the season. We are approaching that this week.
1: A review of what's going on in Las Vegas in the Super Book Contest, both the Classic and the Gold, and the Golden Nugget Contest from our good friend Andy Isco at LogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, with that, uh, before I hand it off to Victor, I know he's got a question on the show he wants to run by you this week. Any word on some of these advanced lines that we've seen in Las Vegas? I know that Jay Cornegay at the Uh, At the Westgate sends out advanced lines a week in advance uh, of what they would project the lines to be. And then the adjustments are made, obviously, in the contest. And last week's week six regular lines here. Anything that you thought stands out noteworthy from what was sent out as opposed to what we'll see on the card this weekend?
4: Yeah, some very interesting moves. I'll start with the first game in the rotation on Sunday, Arizona at Minnesota. Arizona off its first win of the season. Minnesota with a nice upset win at Philadelphia. Last week, the Vikings were bettable as 11.5-point home favorites over the Arizona Cardinals. After Sunday's action was complete and the lines went back up on the board for Week 6, Minnesota had been reduced down to a 9.5-point home favorite. A a move not just of two full points from what was available last week, but it went across a key number of 10, and that 10 has now appeared, and so Minnesota has been bet up slightly from 9.5 to 10 But still, that's considered a significant move uh, compared to what it was a week earlier. Another interesting move, the game between the Chicago Bears and the Miami Dolphins. Of course, Chicago had a bye last week. Miami, in the meantime, was in the process of blowing a 17-0 lead at Cincinnati and blew the cover in the final moments with a defensive score by the Bengals in that contest to lose 27-17. Last week, Miami was a one-point home favorite over the Chicago Bears. That seemed a little bit odd at the time, and sure enough, Chicago with their bye, but Miami playing well for the most part, but losing a tough game nonetheless. Uh, the sports book at the Westgate opened the Bears as one and a half point road favorites when the lines came up Sunday afternoon. That line has since been bet up with a lot of favoritism shown shown toward Chicago to the Bears now being three to three and a half point favorites, depending upon uh, where you are shopping. Indianapolis at the New York Jets. Last week, the Jets were one point home favorites over the Colts. Colts went out and lost at the Patriots on Thursday night. Meanwhile, the Jets played one of their best games in the last half decade, thoroughly dominated and running wild over the Denver Broncos. And sure enough, the adjustment came back, but it's an interesting adjustment because you might have thought the Jets could have been three point favorites. They opened the Jets Jets at two and a half and as I'm looking at the uh, screen we are still seeing pretty much solid two and a half. So I show one instance of the Jets being three-point favorites at even money meaning the Colts would be minus 120 to take the uh, plus three so that's a little bit interesting we'll see if uh, as game time approaches if the Jets get any more uh, support or if the public is looking at same old Jets meaning they'll follow up an impressive performance with a dud a couple of others worth mentioning the Atlanta Falcons uh, they are hoping Hosting Tampa Bay, the other team that had a bye last week, the Buccaneers. Of course, Atlanta went into Pittsburgh last week. Bad spot for the Falcons, good spot for the Steelers. Steelers blew out the Falcons 41-17. And as a result, Atlanta, which was favored by 6.5 over Tampa Bay in the advance line, down to a four-point favorite when it opened, down even a little bit down even a little bit further when the, uh, the Lions came out Sunday evening and the action came in. Atlanta down to a three and a half point favorite. Seattle opened as a pick 'em in the game against Oakland in London. And after last week's action, Seattle, a game but losing effort against the Rams. Oakland, not very competitive in their loss to the Chargers. Seattle opened the two-point favorite on a neutral site. Game bet up to three. Uh, the uh, other one that's interesting is a game you just talked about, Kansas City at the New England Patriots. I thought the advance line for this game, which was posted uh, Tuesday of last week, was a perfect line. The New England Patriots minus three with a vig of minus my- Minus one twenty. You pointed out a number of things about uh, this contest. The fact that Kansas City handily defeated New England uh, last year on this field uh, to open the season, that opening Thursday night game. And so people could be looking at Kansas at New England with the revenge motive in this game. At the same time, you could be looking at Kansas City and saying, hey, they beat them last year handily with Alex Smith. Now they've got Patrick Mahomes. So what happened? Rather than open at that perfect line, remember, Kansas City had an easy time defeating Jacksonville. New England had a similarly easy time defeating Indianapolis. They opened this line, the Patriots, at three and a half, minus three and a half. Almost tempting you to take the Kansas City Chiefs, the team that's cashed five tickets in five games this year by giving you the hook that wasn't available there a week ago. That has me very perplexed because the sports books are not in the habit of giving away money. Yeah. Everyone's seen what the Patriots have done the last two weeks, but look at the teams they did them against, the Miami Dolphins and the Indianapolis Colts. Now they're stepping up against an unbeaten team. It's a very perplexing game. It's one that I think will have a lot of action both ways. Will you take that half point with the three and a half, or will you say, you know what? I don't like laying three and a half in a game where three is such a prominent number, but the sports books may be telling us something by making it difficult to back the team that, yeah, they've got the past class, but they're playing a team the likes of which is putting on an offensive display we haven't seen in years.
1: Andy is with a great review of the updated lines in Las Vegas from week six to week seven and what we might expect with those line change moves this weekend. Victor, I know you've got a question you want to run by Andy on the show this week as well, if you would.
2: Definitely. You know, uh, Andy's right there in the heart of Vegas. He's got his pulse on every single sport that's going on out there. But I also consider Andy to be our Mountain West Conference guru And uh, I say that because, you know, in last week's logical approach newsletter, one of Andy's plays was San Diego State plus the points against Boise State. Not only did they cover the spread, but they held Boise to what? 13 points at home. An outstanding win for San Diego State. And A, a very, very nice call there, Andy. But My question is, what can you tell us about the Mountain West Conference going forward? I I believe this is the first year ever in which there's actually going to be a Mountain West Conference championship game. Of course, the Victor uh, aspires to go to a New Year's Day bowl game. And can a team like Boise rebound getting away from the blue carpet in their road game this week against uh, Nevada?
4: Yeah, just, just one correction, Victor. The Mountain West has had a championship game for several years. In fact, last year was a controversial one with Fresno and Boise. Boise ended up hosting the game because they ended up higher in the computer rank, rank record, rankings, rather, despite the fact that Fresno had just beaten them the week before to end the regular season. So the, I, 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 maybe the Sun Belt, I think, that is going to the two divisions this year for the first time and having a championship game. But right. nonetheless... The um, uh, the the Boise State Broncos came into the season with a lot of people thinking if they could run the table, they would be the Power Five team to play on uh, New Year's Day and possibly depending upon what happened in the major conferences, might have an outside chance at getting into the college football playoff. Unlikely, but in order to go unbeaten, they would have had to win a road game at Oklahoma State, a pretty good program. Of course, they got blown away in that game, and that probably ended their chances to be uh, the Power Five team to play on New Year's Day. you still got an undefeated team, for example, in uh, 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 Central Florida, which is playing extremely well. Uh, at the same time, they started, their sights then set on the Mountain West Conference Championship, and that's still a Possibility, even with the loss to uh, to San Diego State last week, uh, I'm expecting Boise State to rebound in a big way. They've had a history of doing that. Uh, they are, are facing a Wyoming team this week that has been offensively uh, excuse me facing a Nevada team this week that has been offensively struggling the last few weeks. They had some quarterback issues, and Nevada brings one of the weakest defenses to. Uh, uh, to to the uh, field this week in the Mountain West Conference. I think maybe Hawaii is a little bit weaker. Colorado State's a little bit weaker. But Nevada's program has shown a significant decline over the past uh, uh, half, half decade or so. Uh, their long longtime coach, Alt, who had served two tenures as coach of the Wolfpack, retired and the replacements have not been able to sustain the recruiting level that Alt had built up over his many years coaching uh, the Wolfpack. I look for Boise State. This is a, a program that is not quite elite status but they've been a player on the national stage now for more than a decade and I expect them to rebound well, force Nevada to play from behind and even in defeat last week, the Boise State defense played well. The offense got a little bit untracked, but the uh, uh, or actually slowed down, uh, but the defense played well. So I'm going to look for a Boise to come back. I think that the team to keep an eye on, don't know that they're going to be tested this week as they play our UNLV Revels, but for those of you who saw that game last week against uh, BYU, Utah State is the real deal this year.
1: Yeah, Utah State does look to be the real deal in the Mountain West Conference this year. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas with our Vegas vibe this particular week. And Andy, before I let you go, I know our listeners would love to know what you're looking at for your complimentary play on the NFL side of things this weekend.
4: Well, Mark, I'm going to go to that game in London between Seattle and Oakland. These are two teams that before the season I felt would be down this year. I was a little bit more down on Oakland than Seattle. My concerns about Seattle were some of the departures from their defense, as well as uh, an inability to provide uh, Russell Wilson with an offensive line and a, a solid running game. The running game has actually been pretty good for Seattle. They're playing a little bit better than I expected, uh, but I still expect them to have an eight and eight season at best, where the Raiders I'm projecting uh, to be a uh, lower than 500 team and I don't like the way that Oakland played last week coming off of that uh, uh, first win of the season, uh, that overtime win at Cleveland, which in many uh, many respects you could say they were somewhat fortunate because, in fact I think the NFL admitted that they blew one call with a fumble, uh, they might have admitted that they blew another call with a first down that allowed Oakland to keep a drive alive against uh, the Browns, they ultimately won that game in overtime. Meanwhile, Seattle gave the Rams its stiffest. Chest test that the Rams have faced all season. Minnesota gave the Rams a good game the the Thursday night before. Seattle had several leads in the game against the Rams and uh, the Rams did what uh, they've been able to do against a Seattle team that I still believe is on the decline, but I think Seattle's good enough to go over to London, beat Oakland by more than the three points by which they are favored. In fact, in many places you can get Seattle three at at, uh, minus three even money against uh, the Oakland Raiders, a team that Uh, Well, for all intents and purposes, gave up on the season when they traded Khalil Mack right before the start to the Chicago Bears. Gruden taking a year, I think, to get familiar with the personnel, the nuances of the game. It's one thing to be an analyst up in the the booth or work with quarterbacks in your quarterback camp. It's another thing to actually be preparing game plans and and, uh, devising schemes against certain players and certain teams and certain units. And that's, I think, where Oakland is coming up a little bit short. There are some defensive issues, and I'm still not sure that Derek Carr has, the support of the uh, of the locker room. He had a great season two years ago when Oakland made the playoffs. Regressed last year and has struggled to find his uh, uh, his footing this year. I'm going to look for Seattle to get uh, probably about a seven to ten point win over in uh, London. So uh, I've laid the three points with Seattle this week.
1: Just a quick note from the database that in games in London, the favorites have really taken down the money a lot more than the underdogs have. So Andy Isco on the Seattle Seahawks for his side in the big NFL game in London on Sunday. Andy, a great job once again, as always, on the show this week. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence against the spread.
4: Mark, Victor, I wish both of you great weekends as well, and uh, look forward to next week.
1: That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, for the final segment, I'll share with you our awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays from both Victor and myself when we're back in just a moment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread.
0: you need guaranteed that's my as in apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag. sign up
3: today and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his aw- 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 awesome angle of the week
1: All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week on the college football side of things this week. We call it 40-40 and looking for more. What we're looking to do is to play on any non-conference college football home underdog if they scored 40 or more points in each of their previous two games. It's just that simple. A non-conference college football home underdog who's put up 40 or more points in their last two games. Teams in this role Going back to 1980, our 27-7 and seven against the spread. That's a 79% winning angle. We'll be playing on Liberty plus the points this weekend against Troy for our 40-40 and looking for more awesome angle play on the football card this Saturday. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creel Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap for his complimentary play this week. And if you would, Victor, let our listeners know what's cooking at King Creel Sports this weekend.
2: Thanks, Mark. You know, Andy was talking about the uh, London game, the international series of games. And uh, this week's game has actually been moved. It was originally scheduled for Tottenham Stadium, and they're going to be playing it in Wembley Stadium. And we've got some good over-under data and information in regards to these international games. We'll leave that in the Totals tip sheet newsletter. So you're going to want to pick up a copy of this week's Totals tip sheet in addition to the midweek alert newsletter, in addition to the playbook newsletter, where people are always asking, how can you top last week? 6-0 and and star rated best bets. It's a good time to be reading the uh, playbook family of newsletters, definitely. For our free play this week, we're going to an unlikely game. and In fact, I'm calling this our Fortis Fortuna a Diuvat game. The fortune favors the bold game. And we're going over the total in the Jacksonville Jaguars-Dallas Cowboys games. Two run-of-the-mill offenses. They're both ranked in the bottom third in the league in scoring. Two top ten scoring defenses. Good defenses. Both allowing less than 20 points per game. Two teams off under results last week. So who in their right mind would consider going over the total in this non-conference game? We would. At least we know that most of the squares will not be joining us in this particular game. We touched briefly on the fact that Jacksonville's offense looked great last week. 700 passing yards in the last two weeks now for Blake Bortles. Can you believe it? But at last look, the Jaguars were installed as early road chalk in this game. They're somewhere around a three-point road favorite. And in week six of the NFL season, AFC road favorites have gone a perfect 12-0 to the over when facing an NFL opponent and the over-underlying being 51 or less points. That happens in the sixth week of the season. We're going to ride it. We could even eliminate the game number query and instead add in the current low over-underline, which is somewhere around 40 and a half points in this game. Game 11 or less non-conference games, with a low over underline or 42 or less points, have gone 13 and 2 over-under when the point spread in the game is 13 or less points. These two teams, the Jags and the Cowboys, they've played each other four times since the new millennium. All four of those games have gone over the total. Uh, It's a pretty significant uh, role reversal for the Jaguars this week. Last week, they were, of course, they were on the road, and they were an underdog against the Chiefs, and they're going to road favorites this week against Dallas. 12-1 over-under since 2013, and this has even been a perfect 7-0 to the over in the last three years. Non-division road favorites of less than 10 points off a straight-up in ATS road dog loss like the Jaguars are when the over-under line is 50 or less points. We recommend you monitor the line movement in this game. Let the squares bring the game down. It opened at 41.5. It's currently down to 40.5. Make your move on the game. The lower the line goes, remember this, though, that your target line is 40.5 or less points. I say that because we want to be able to cash a winner if this game finishes right on 41 points despite the high scoring season we've seen in the NFL 41 is still one of the top four key numbers. So again, Jaguars Cowboys over the total, your target line is 40 and a half or more points. On the docket for us this week, Mark, we got a four-star NFL over of the week that'll be up on the playbook website on Thursday night. We've already got three NFL, excuse me, three college football totals plays For Saturday, that's already up on the playbook.com website. And from what I understand, you've got a big one in pro football, too, this week, Mark.
1: I do, Victor. I've got a big five-star NFL game of the month going this weekend. We've been pretty hot in the NFL of late. Nine and one, our last ten releases on our executive late phone service. That five-star NFL game of the month is going to go this Sunday. It'll all be part of a $99 football weekend of winners. You can check it out online at playbook.com or give our office a call at 1-800-321-7777. And also, I'm going to encourage listeners to check out that Victor's big four-star total game of the week this weekend as well. He's been red hot in college football totals. King Creel Sports at playbook.com. Before I get to my complimentary play on the football card this week, once again, I want to remind our listeners about the Playbook Tokens. Uh, for a limited time, it's going to be ending here soon, guys. You can get $100 in free Playbook Tokens while they last. All you need to do is register at playbook.com, and you'll put we'll put $100 in free Playbook Tokens into your account. Check it out, the Playbook Tokens available at playbook.com. For my complimentary play on the football card this week, They say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I've used Arkansas back-to-back weeks on this show here, and we've cashed two winning tickets with them. Last week, we were very fortunate when they eked in a late score late in the game against Alabama to get the point spread cover. But we're going to ride the winning horse once again this week with Arkansas, who plays Ole Miss this week. They're a home underdog against the Rebels. That's a 500-yard defense for Mississippi that comes in road favorite in this contest here. That leaves Arkansas with 103 yards, the better defense in this contest here. Arkansas is also a good running dog in this game. They rush the ball for 4.1 yards a carry. Mississippi defense allows 4.6 yards a carry, so we will get our rushing yards in this game. This is the Southeast Conference home opener for Arkansas here, who has beat Mississippi four straight years in a row. They won't be intimidated by the Rebels in this game. I think the Rebels are a wishy-washy, maybe bowl-eligible type team, Arkansas, struggling to become just that. I'm going to play against Mississippi, who's just 7-23-1 to the spread. Their last 31 games as a road favorite. We'll grab up the points once again with Arkansas for our complimentary play on the football card this Saturday. And that's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Grill Sports. Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas for joining us, as he always does, and for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.